Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here with an audio masterclass on how to max out your life. And if you didn't figure it out from max out, you need to know that I have brought Ed Milet on Entrepreneurs on Fire. Ed Milet is one of the top business leaders and peak performance experts in the world today. He's been named one of the top 50 wealthiest under 50 and is the youngest person ever named to the President's National Leadership Advisory Board in Fire Nation. If you haven't heard this guy speak on his podcast, YouTube, or from stage where he is absolutely on fire, make it a priority. Obviously, you're going to get to hear his voice as we talk about maxing out your life and business, fitness, relationships, self-confidence, and happiness, and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Start building an army of loyal affiliates and brand ambassadors who constantly promote your products today. The step-by-step is waiting for you on my buddy Russell Brunson's new podcast miniseries, Traffic Secrets. Open your podcast app and subscribe to Traffic Secrets now or visit trafficsecretspodcast.com. Ed, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. What's up, Fire Nation? Um, What people don't know. How about I met my wife in kindergarten? And so (laughs) I've known her since I was five and she was four in the beginning of kindergarten. The best part about that story is when I tell people that to see us both in person, they often wonder or not if I was the teacher because I look so much older than her. <laughs> we were actually both students. So, <laughs> Oh man. Well, Fire Nation, I know literally almost all of you know Ed Milet and follow his amazing content. And he's all about maxing out his life. And now I just found out that he has maxed out the amount of time that he knew the, lo- the love of his life, which is pretty awesome, pretty amazing. I didn't get to meet my Kate until I was 29 years old. So uh, 24 years you had on me there, Ed. What's the deal there? Well, I closed her early, so <laughs> I'm serious. She didn't have any other options, man. She's been stuck with me for a long time. We had a little breakup or two there after high school, which was probably valuable, but I definitely persuaded her when she was young, so thank God. I love that. Well, Fire Nation, as I shared during the introduction, we're going to be talking all about how you can max out your life. And Let's start with business because, Ed, we talked about Fire Nation a little bit in the pre-interview chat, and a lot of the people that are listening right now are looking for ways, especially during these times, to max out their business. So what does that look like? There's some elements that matter, especially during this time, too. You, the, the, I used to think everything I thought was true. So one of the things that caused me to struggle when I was an early entrepreneur and even prior when I was sort of a wannabe entrepreneur, meaning I had a job, but I kind of wanted to start something is I believed everything I thought. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I don't do that anymore. Not everything you think is true. And the more you begin to even question your own thoughts, because we act on those thoughts, thoughts create emotions, right? The quality of our life, the caliber of our life is the emotions we experience. And those emotions come from the thoughts we have. And so the first thing I think you got to look at, people say, oh, you know, control your thinking. Well, why? Well, because they create these emotions. And so even for me during these times, you know, what's going to happen to my income? What's going to happen to my future? What's the right road to take down? But doesn't always mean what I think. So I question my own thinking from time to time. And, and that served me because it keeps my emotions under control. I feel like great entrepreneurs don't get quite too high and they don't get really too low. They have a, they have a measure of emotional control or poise 
about them that helps them make the decisions they need to make to move their business or their life forward. So for me, it all starts first with my thinking. And and I do it, I regularly question myself on, is what I'm thinking serving me? Does this belief system serve me? Even if it's true, does it serve me to believe that there's no capital out there? Does it serve me to believe that where I live is different than where everybody else lives so my business may not work here? Does it serve me to believe that we're going into a recession or a depression? These thoughts, right before our call, I was on with an entrepreneur that I coach, and he kept saying things to me that were just nonsense. They weren't true, but he believes them so firmly, they're going to be true in his life. And so what you think about yourself matters. What you think about your opportunity, your product, your company matters. What you think about your timing matters. And so really getting a hold and taking an inventory of what you think about is the first step. So there's a quote that doesn't really fit this concept perfectly. I I want to attribute it to Mark Twain because I'm sure most of them are, but it's when you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. And that's something that I've always tried to do over the years is, you know, I've said, okay, like, I believe this is true. And it seems like everybody else believes this is true. Okay, maybe that's a little red flag there. Maybe you need to step back and say, am I just believing that this is true because it just seems to be the consensus because everybody's raising their hand and saying, I vote for this. What if I just take pause and reflect and say, hmm, how have I actually made the big wins and maxed my business out over the years? It's by being in the minority. It's by thinking outside the box. It's by doing things differently in unique ways, Fire Nation. Well, I'll say something about that. Yeah, I think please that's do. Brilliant. You just did something that I teach that if you don't point it out, it goes unnoticed. How'd you change what you thought? You change the questions you're asking yourself. You don't just change the thought like, oh, I need to think positively. You have to reframe the question. And so, for example, right now, we're in this sort of crisis time. No matter when you're listening to this, right. there's always some kind of crisis going on, right? But the fact of the matter is I'm asking myself right now, what is this trying to teach me? This, this is a teacher. Everything's happening for me and not to me. That stuff sounds good and good. But in tough times, that's put to the test. And so the quality of the question I'm asking myself is, what is this trying to teach me right now? And just in terms of timing, just to give you an idea, most people are like, wow, terrible time to start a business. Well, the truth is, that's not true. The fact of the matter is that most of the time, great entrepreneurs start their businesses, he or she, in down cycles, either in the economy or in their personal life. That's a fact. They're not started in the good times. They're not started when everybody's running full speed. To your point, they're in the minority. Most successful entrepreneurs started their businesses or launched them during really difficult economic times or really difficult personal economic times. Give you an example. Okay. Steve Jobs started this little company called Microsoft in 1975 in one of the worst economies of all time that got even worse in the early 80s, in in 80. Steve Jobs started it in 76. Uh, Apple, terrible economy. Zuckerberg starts Facebook in 04. Four years later, he runs headlong into the 08 crisis. So we could go on and on. Netflix started in 97, right before 9-11 when they started to get going. Uh, uh, um, Venmo, same thing, started in 04, ran right into the 08 crisis. So these businesses, most successful businesses were started when they were personally hurting or the economy was hurting. So don't believe everything you think. And one thing that I actually experienced personally in my life was getting into real estate way back in the day. And I got in right before that 08 crisis you're talking about. And 
all you just saw were just all these real estate agents driving Beamers and Audis and all they had known was just like these boom years. And then all of a sudden the crash happens and it's just wiped out. They did not know how to operate during those times of difficulty, but that's all that I knew. Like I got into it right as that happens. And so you learn how to survive and sometimes even thrive when everybody else is getting washed out. Then you kind of come out the other side, you look around, you're like, oh, there's actually not really any competition anymore because all the people that have just kind of been living on that fluff lifestyle all these years, they got wiped out during the tough times. Now it's this clear road ahead. And Ed, one thing that I've noticed from you know consuming a lot of your content over the years is you're pretty honest with your audience. You're transparent. You're genuine. And there's been times you looked in the mirror and you said, you know what? I'm usually a pretty fit guy. I usually work out pretty hard, but every now and then things slip. I'm traveling a lot. I'm not sleeping super great. Maybe my nutrition drops a little bit. And you've had to kind of reevaluate and rehone in on maxing out your fitness. So how have you done that? And what can you share with Fire Nation from lessons that you've learned over the years for being, let's be honest, we're middle-aged men, both of us, and you know we're still pretty fit guys. Yeah. For me in life, you get your standards and your reasons. Um, I'd like to say I'm the most disciplined guy in the world, but I'm not. I have huge reasons to be fit and I get my standards. I've got a standard. So even when I say probably like you two, I go, man, I'm really slipping. Yeah. My slip is probably a little bit, if I can just say it, a little bit higher level than most people slip, right? Even when I, I'll say that to friends of mine, I'm really not in my fittest right now. They're like, you probably get to see, oh, stop it, bro. You know, <laughs> that's because we get our standards. So you should ask yourself what your standards are in terms of reasons. I've never really talked much about this, but the reason that I have a real commitment to fitness is when I was in my early thirties, I had a heart attack. Most people don't know this. And I met a doctor who changed my life because he, he understood getting leverage on me, getting reasons embedded into my soul. Right. And, and I, what I did is I went and did this heart scan after my heart attack and he brings me back in the room with the scan and what most doctors would do is they go, oh, okay, your arteries are 60% blocked. That's Crestor, whatever, blood pressure medication, Ramipril, go on with your life. He knew he needed to get deep reasons to get me to change. And so he puts the chart down, brother, and he goes, let me ask you a question. Do you have a daughter? I went, what? He goes, do you have a daughter? I said, yeah. He says, how old is she? I said, she's two. What's her name? I said, Bella. Why? He goes, I'm just curious. Do you want to walk her down the aisle on her wedding day? Ooh. I went, what, what did you just say? <laughs> he goes, do you want to walk her down the aisle on your wedding day? I go, yeah, very much. He goes, I want you to listen to me, young man. If you keep eating the way you're eating with your genetics, you keep skipping the gym, another man's going to walk your daughter down the aisle on her oh. wedding day. Do you hear me? And I went, you know what it's like as a dad. And he just, <laughs> I went, I went like right into my soul, my daughter's wedding day, right? That's leverage. And he goes, let me give you the good news. If you change, if you eat the way I tell you to, if you take the right nutritional supplements and medication I'm going to give you, and you get up and work out every day, you will walk that little girl down the wedding, the aisle someday at her wedding. And I went, give me it. <laughs> and there are now, there have been thousands, bro, since that day of mornings. It's five o'clock. I was traveling the night before. I get up. I don't want to go to the gym. Bam, Bella's wedding day. Bam, Bella's wedding day. I'm fit because of that reason. I'm fit because of those standards. So when you can link big old reasons to what you need to get done that maybe you don't want to do, 
those reasons, your love, your dreams for other people will override your lack of discipline every time. So that's sort of the secret sauce for me. Doesn't mean I'm not vain. Doesn't mean I don't want to look good. Those are all elements that count. I like how I feel when I train. But what gets me to do things other guys aren't willing to do is because I got reasons and standards other dudes don't have. Fire Nation, Ed just shared that he has standards and he has a reason. He's not going to lose or drop his standards. When he gets to a certain point, he's like, okay, time to double down, time to refocus. For me, I have a literal line that is drawn in the sand and I will not cross that line. You know, for me, it's 12.5% body fat. Like I am constantly measuring and if I go over that line, it's gonna happen from time to time for various reasons, but I know, okay, now it's time to really crank back and refocus on what I know I need to do to get back on the right side of that line in the sands. And something that you shared, Ed, at the beginning of the show, which I did love is, you know, that was really cool that you've, you were five years old and your wife was four years old when you first met. And, you know, not everybody is so blessed to have such close proximity to the person they were meant to be with. You know, like I mentioned, I didn't actually even get to meet Kate till I was 29 years old because I grew up in Maine. She grew up in San Diego. I had to move to San Diego at 29 years old to meet her. And, you know, of course, all of these things happen for different reasons. But regardless, you have been able to, both time and quality, been able to max out your relationship. Break that down for people that are listening right now. They're entrepreneurs and they know they're maybe crushing it in business, but they're not on the relationship side. Cause, and so that's just something that is missing in their life. Break it down for us. Wow. I want to say something you've not heard before, you know, because you can always say honesty and communication, yeah. right? Isn't that what everybody says? Every, right? Everybody. <laughs> right? and that's, not that, that's not that those things don't matter. They do matter. They're the foundation. But what's what's a separator? How do you max it out? So I'll give you two things I think that are were kind of special. When I was my first off, I married uh, uh, the baby daughter of an amazing couple, and they set a standard. Again, when I would go pick Christiana, it's my wife's name, up for dates. When you go to the front door, you could see into their living room, bro. So I could look in. Like when you're knocking the front door, if you could picture, there's a window to the left. I could see in there. And obviously, I've knocked on that. Had knocked on that door. My, my mother-in-law still lives in that house. Oh wow! And I, I knock on that door, and I could look in the living room. And many of those dates would be, you know, a six p.m. movie date. Well, let me tell you what I would see. Often, I'd knock on the door, and I'd glance to the left, and in the living room, the lights would be off, and my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, would be slow dancing in the living room. Wow! No, no TV on, just being intimate, so to speak, right? And I believe relationships that begin to not stay passionate lack intimacy. And I, I don't mean necessarily just sex, but I do mean that. If you'd move into a spot where you're just living with your best friend, I, I got a bunch of buddies that are my best friends that I don't want to be married to. What separates a relationship is there's intimacy, there's connection, there's touch. Now, as you age, maybe that's not, you know, every night doing what adults do, but it's holding hands. It's taking a walk. It's being present with each other. It's making sure you touch one another. It's physical intimacy. And one of the things that's been the secret sauce for us, and we have ups and downs like every couple. We've had times we're on the brink many times. Believe me, not lately, but we've had that, you know, in the past over 30 something years. But what we do have is intimacy. I'm attracted to her still. She's still attracted to me. Now we're aging. We look different than we used to look, but that's a separator. My friends, if I'm being honest, that have their relationships didn't last, there became a point where they weren't intimate. They weren't attracted to one another. 
So that's an element that most people don't talk about because it's not comfortable to talk about, but it's real. And the second thing that we have is um, I don't just, she doesn't just love me. She believes in me. She doesn't believe in every decision I've made or every business I've started, but the fundamental part of my self-confidence is that that woman believes in me and it gives me great strength, great confidence. And because of that belief, she can question decisions I make because there's such a foundational um, belief I hold that she believes deeply in me. And so I think those are two things that have made us really strong. Of course, communication and honesty, but beyond that, we're intimate, meaning we're working on that connection all the time. And secondly, like I fundamentally know she believes in me and that gives us great connection and confidence. When you begin to think they don't believe in you like they used to, you're going down a bad road. Oof. And when you begin to not be intimate with one another, not just again, not just sex, I'm talking about touching, holding hands, hugging, just spending time in each other's presence. Uh, you're going down a, a road that's dangerous as well. So I think those are two things that aren't often discussed that are, are really, really important to max out a relationship, at least from my perspective. Fire Nation, you have plenty of friends. I have plenty of friends. You and your significant other are just supposed to be friends. There needs to be intimacy there. And it's not just going to be supernatural all the time. Like there's something you need to work on. There needs to be that real intimacy in that significant other. And I know there's a lot of people listening right now that are kind of getting that sinking feeling because they're like, well, I've really just kind of been friends, you know, with my quote unquote significant other for a long time now. And, you know, a lot of people just kind of let that go because it's easier to let that go than to do the hard thing, which unfortunately is a lot of times the right thing, and to release each other so that you can actually go and find, you know, what Ed has found, you know, what I found, which a lot of people have found, which is, you know, that partner, you know, both in life, and you should be great friends on a lot of levels, but that intimacy has to be there. And I love how you did go there, Ed, because you're right. A lot of people don't go there ever because it's not always easy to talk about and it's not always comfortable to talk about, but we're going to do the things that aren't always comfortable, Fire Nation. And if you think we're even close to done dropping value bombs, we're going to be talking about your self-confidence, Fire Nation, your happiness, as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. During this time of change, we want you to know that Zip Recruiter's focus hasn't changed. They're still doing what they've always done, helping people find work and helping businesses find the right people for their open roles. If you're looking for a job, Zip Recruiter is working with you to find the right job faster. They are dedicated to helping you get hired from caretaking to delivering food and goods to building medical facilities, supplying protective equipment, and so much more. In fact, Zip Recruiter's app will send you up-to-date job openings so you can be one of the first to apply. And if you're actively hiring, ZipRecruiter will invite candidates to apply to your most urgent roles, making it faster and easier to reach the people you need. By connecting people who need jobs and companies that need people, ZipRecruiter is working with all of us so we can keep moving forward. Let's work together. ZipRecruiter.com slash work together. One of the biggest struggles we face as online business owners is building an audience. Getting traffic to your website, podcasts, videos, social media channels, it's not easy. But there's a framework that you can start using right now to consistently drive your dream customers to your business every day. Want that framework? Great news, Fire Nation. My buddy Russell Brunson is a co-founder of ClickFunnels and has grown his business to a near $1 billion valuation using traffic driving strategies as a back 
backbone of his business. And fortunately for the rest of us, he's one of the most generous people I know in the online business world. He just created a new podcast mini series called Traffic Secrets to help you learn exactly how to borrow traffic from influencers in your industry, how to build an army of loyal affiliates and brand ambassadors who constantly promote your products, how to effectively build an email list, and so much more. Open your podcast app and subscribe to Traffic Secrets now or visit trafficsecretspodcast.com. So Ed, we're back. And as I kind of teased during the break, you know, we need to have self-confidence in everything that we do. If we're going to leave, if we're going to achieve the level of success that I know a lot of us want to achieve. So talk to Fire Nation about maxing out our self-confidence. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, that's something I talk a great deal about for those of you that don't listen to me. Um, I, first thing is this. It's such a huge part of our existence because we really do get what we believe we deserve and what we're worth in life long term. There'll be short term windows where we're not getting what we think we're worth or we deserve. But long term, we always get what we think we're worth. And so self-confidence, self-worth, and they're different things, but they're interconnected. You have to be intentional about this. Not enough. If we all would agree, self-confidence is an incredibly important thing to have in life, right? Let's we'd all say, oh, my gosh, yes. Okay. how intentional are you about working on it? It'd be like if you said, I want a six pack abs or I want certain size biceps or whatever, you'd be intentional about doing curls to build that bicep. You'd be intentional about your diet and your sit ups if you were going to build those abs. And we all go, one of the most important things in life is self-confidence and we have no intentional game plan to gain more of it. So how are you going to, you're going to miraculously get more self-confidence at 30 years old, at 40 years old? No, you better be intentional. And so my formula is really simple. I think self-confidence is the process of keeping the promises that you make to yourself over and over again and intentionally noticing and acknowledging it. So for me, when I do get up out of bed, Bella's wedding, I go, I'm doing stuff nobody's willing to do. I've kept that promise and I bank it into the inventory of my self-confidence bank. When I say today, I've got 11 Zoom calls, which is what I have today, and I'm going to do one more. Because my motto is one more, one more rep in the gym, one more phone call, one more Zoom, one more text, one more whatever. I always add one more. And when I add that one more, I go, I did it. Bam. Self-confidence bank. Right. When I'm on the treadmill and I've got 30 minutes of cardio I've dedicated to do and I go one more and I do 31. Not only do I do 31 minutes, I go, bam, one more self-confidence bank. (laughs) So when you begin to live intentionally that way where you keep the promises you make to yourself plus one more and you intentionally credit the bank account of self-confidence with it, now you actually have a strategy, a plan to actually gain that self-confidence like you would those abs or that bicep. Fire Nation, I just have to repeat this one phrase that Ed shared that to me sums everything up here. Keep the promises you make to yourself and you'll be adding to your self-confidence bank. I mean, why would you not want to be adding to the self-confidence bank? I mean, that's what you're doing here, building your self-confidence. And how do you do that? You keep the promises you make to yourself. And Ed, people all day long will tell you, I'm sure you've heard it, I hear it every single day, John, I just want to be rich or I want to make more money or I want more followers or I want more fame or I want more respect or I want more of this. What they're really saying is, John, I think I want those things because I think those things are going to make me happier. Let's talk right now to Fire Nation. How can we max out the core happiness? Well, 
you really do listen to stuff I talk about. Brother. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. I think it's probably the best interview I've had. I mean, wow. I, you're, I mean, you're incredible. That's why you've done 2,500 of them. Thank so, you. Thank you. Um, and to answer your question about happiness, one, it's what we all want. And if we could just clear out all the clutter in our life and go, what do we want? I want the jet because I think it'll make me happier. I want the, I want the relationship because I think it'll make me happier. I want the promotion because I think it'll make me happier. And here's what I have found. I don't think you can love yourself if you're not being yourself. And so I'm, I think there has to become a point where you get really clear, not on what you think other people will think is cool about you or what you think other, other people will give you credit for, but what, what truly makes you happy. And it's probably very small, very simple things for the most part. And so in my life, like I, I, there's six human needs. Tony Robbins and I both talk about these needs. The needs are, they're not wants, they're needs and they're, you know, I talk about him a little bit differently than Tony, but we, he speaks to this very, in an unbelievably articulate way too. But I look at it more on a personal and business level and on a sales level too. The six needs are the need for certainty, the need for, you know, everything's going to be okay, certainty in our life. Ironically, the second need is the need for uncertainty, right? Variety, spontaneity. Third need is the need for significance or recognition. The fourth need is the need for love and connection, belonging. The fifth need is the need for growth, to grow. And the sixth need is the need for contribution. A happy person is maxing out all six of those needs at any given time in their life through different, different venues, different avenues. But at any given time in your life, one or two of those needs are more dominant in your life than others. Like when I was younger and I was 25 and coming up as an entrepreneur and a speaker and all that, significance, recognition. You know how you get me to come do your podcast? You go, hey, I've got 200,000 listeners. Yeah. A lot of people are going to hear you. And I go, significance. Yes. <laughs> now you get me to do your podcast where you go, hey, you could really help a lot of people. Ooh. Contribution. So I know my two dominant needs now are growth and contribution. One need is not better than the other. But when you can get clear on which of those needs is most important to you at any given time, which two, let's say, then you've actually created an intentional pathway to get yourself more happiness. Maybe right now it is significance and recognition that you think will make you happy. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe it's more love and connection in your life. Maybe it's more certainty. Maybe right now in the economic times at work or your business are so uncertain, you need to find things that bring you more certainty. Maybe you're bored and you've been doing the same thing over and over again. What you need is more variety and uncertainty, right? Or maybe you're at this point in your life where you're like, you know, I haven't really changed me much in a long time. And so I'm listening to podcasts like John's and other ones because I need to grow and I'm going to feed that need in my life. Or maybe it's just I've made a lot of money, but I'm still not happy. Why am I not happy? I, I got the house. I got the love and connection that I wanted. I've got a lot of recognition. Why am I still not happy? Well, maybe you're not contributing. And maybe you need to fill that need of contribution. A happy person is fulfilling all of those needs at any given time. And so I just ask myself, what are the two, what are my two dominant needs and how can I begin to act in accordance with fulfilling them? Because what makes me happy right now, the truth is maybe very different from what makes you happy. And I'm not better or worse than you and vice versa. It's just a matter of, of getting clear on which one of those needs or two of them matter the most to me right now. Fire Nation, you can't love yourself if you're not being yourself. And going through those six, certainty, uncertainty, significance, love and connection, growth, contribution. And I'll be honest for a second, with you and with Fire Nation, I feel like if I'm looking at this, 
one area that I've kind of been coming up short in recently is uncertainty. So if, if you were to hear somebody that you're coaching share that with you, what's something you would say to them that could really get them out of the fact that they're really just not hitting that uncertainty factor? Yeah, you got to try new things and experience new things and go to new places. Right now, today, that's not something that we can do in the current uh, crisis. But if you're listening to this after that fact, it's try new things. Like I, I, I have a messages that I put out to, to fill the uncertainty need. You've seen them about once every three or four months. I'll say, listen, here's my outcome for you today. I'd like you to try a new coffee shop. I'd like you to go to a new gym. I'd like you to explore trying maybe yoga, try a new form of meditation. Uh, go to a new, if you go, if you're single, try a new restaurant or club, take a different off ramp when you go to your job and just drive in a different direction. Um, try a different podcast, read a book on a topic that's not something you've pursued before. So it's actually intentionally trying to give yourself variety. And it comes sometimes in the most simple things you do. You know, what's ironic is most of us, it's so brilliant that you said that most of us are constantly trying to get more certainty. We are. We want to save more money and be stable. We want to find a relationship that's predictable and trustworthy. Routines, all these things. But you know the truth for many of us? Some of the happiest times in our lives were the most uncertain. So true. It's when we were studying and trying to get our college degree and it was completely chaotic and we were broke and it was totally uncertain. It was when you were just first dating the person you were with and you didn't know if they liked you and you weren't sure about where it was going to go. And you were some of the happiest times when you just started your business and everything was crazy and you didn't know how you were going to make it work. Some of the happiest times in our life are the most uncertain. And so embracing uncertainty. In fact, I have this theory, brother, sometimes I believe that Sometimes our happiness level is completely connected to the amount of uncertainty we can tolerate and deal with at any given time. So it's amazing that you pick that as the uh, the need for you because it's it's a secret need in there that most people avoid. When you read those six needs, most people go, I like the certainty thing, love and connection. I got a lot of that significance. Love it. That sounds good. Growth contribution. And they kind of hide from the uncertainty one. It's so brilliant. You picked up on that. Yet that may be the one. That's the pathway to magnify the other five. It may actually magnify the other five. So great point. Well, I look back on my life and I graduated college in 2002. I was on an army scholarship. So I was commissioned as an officer right after 9-11. And so within 13 months, I was in Iraq as a tank commander. And, you know, it was a scary time. Thank you for your service, bro. Thank you. I appreciate that. It was a freaky time. It was scary. You know, I was in charge of 16 men. I was, you know, a tank commander of four tanks. And I didn't know what I was doing a lot of the times. You know, I was trying to just really keep up and do what was right. And of course, you're in literally life and death situations every single day. And there was so much uncertainty at every single day in my life. And there was a lot of things that, you know, I would never wish upon anybody that happened during that time. But at the same time, I look back and Man, I mean, the relationships and friendships that I made, the situations that I experienced, like just the adrenaline rush of actually doing a job well and getting the job done during that time, it was at like an all-time high for me. And there was never more uncertainty in my life than during that tour of duty in Iraq, you know, at 23 years old. You know, I was an officer for eight years, but that was like the time, that year that I was overseas in war, like that was it. And so like now talking now, you know, here almost 20 years later, I'm just like, where's that uncertainty in my life? Like it really just hasn't been here in a while. And you're brilliant, bro. Can I, can I add yeah, to that? Please. Because it's like, you just gave the perfect example. 
it's why we often would say that maybe we were happier as children than we are as adults because children, everything's uncertain, True. right? And, and everything's new and we're experiencing new things all the time. And as we get older, we avoid it. There's, there's, there's almost a correlation to feeling alive and having uncertainty in our life. And human beings are constantly trying to avoid the very thing that probably brings them the most happiness. <laughs> it's brilliant that you use that analogy because that's real uncertainty that you're describing. I mean, I was just listening to the Patagonia story where these guys, you know, back when they were like in their 30s, they just jumped in a van, you know, someplace like in Long Beach or something. And they literally drove in this van from Long Beach all the way to Patagonia, Argentina, you know, going through Peru and Guatemala and all the Chile and like all those places. And like listening to that story, I'm just like, man, there was so much uncertainty in that trip. Like that's what's missing in my life. Like maybe not doing something as, you know, insane and crazy like that because they were passionate about everything they were doing to go hiking the North Face and all that stuff. But I mean, man, there's so much there. Yeah, it's funny. Why do we watch TV? Why do people love Netflix? Because it's a peek into somebody else's uncertainty, which mm. is a story you don't know. But the ultimate uncertainty is it would be you as the lead character, not watching someone else live it out. And that's why we have these indulgences of movies and television, because it's uncertain. We don't know the plot. The bad part is it's not our life. <laughs> so it ends in an hour and it was artificial. It's almost like a drug. But when you live in uncertainty, it's part of your being. And so that's the difference. That's happiness to me. Ed. You have helped us max out our fitness, max out our relationships, max out our businesses, our self-confidence, our happiness. You have truly maxed out this entire interview. So for that, I thank you. Give us one takeaway that you really want to make sure Fire Nation just gets when they walk away from this chat. Give us the best way that we can follow you, find out more about you, consume your content, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. First off, thank you for today. I enjoyed this tremendously. And you're out, you're wonderful at this. So that's one takeaway I want to share with everybody is what a great show this is. Mm. Uh, where to find me? Instagram is probably the best place at Ed Milet, E-D-M-Y-L-E-T-T, a YouTube channel, a podcast, all that, all my stuff's free. Um, and so I'd love to interact with any of you that I could help. Um, in terms of a takeaway, I'll, I'll give you one. I just want everybody to know this. I want, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you. And so it is that you were born to do something great with your life. And I know this may find you at a time where you're not completely sure about that, or maybe nobody's told you in a while, but you're not invisible. You're not small. You're supposed to do something great with your life, by the way, in small and big ways. Some of that greatness is right now just reaching out to a friend of yours and just saying, hey, I love you. Are you okay? Do you need anything from me? That's greatness. And you never know if you do that at the right moment necessarily how great that is. But I think oftentimes we begin to forget that we were put here to do something awesome. And if you have a big dream and you want to make something great with your life, chase that damn dream. You were born to do it. God did not sow that dream into your heart as a joke, as a hallucination. It's a preview as to what is possible in your life. If you'll apply all the things we're talking about here and you'll be vigilant and there's no time frame on it. Hopefully, the price you're willing to pay for your dreams does not have a price tag where you'll sell your family out and sell your dream out. For most people with enough failure, enough setbacks, enough difficulty, enough anxiety, they'll surrender. They'll sell out their dream. They'll sell their family and they'll move into average and ordinary, which is where they don't belong and what they were not born to do. When you were born, the doctor did not grab you, slap you on the backside and go, here, mama, here's an average one. That's not you. All of us were born to do something great. None of us are more special than anybody else. 
but some of us will never realize it because we forget. And so that's what I'd like to remind you of today. You were born to something special and do something great with your life. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with Ed Milet and JLD today. So keep up that heat. And of course, if you're not already, follow Ed Milet at Ed Milet on Instagram. Please tune into the Ed Milet Show. It is must listen content. And Ed, I want to say thank you, brother, for sharing your truth with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Hey, Fire Nation, today's value bomb content was brought to you by Ed Milet. And if you're ready to rock your own podcast, check out the completely free podcasting course that I created, freepodcastcourse.com, where I teach you how to create and launch your very own podcast like me and Ed. We have our very own podcast. I'll catch you there, Fire Nation, or I'll catch you on the flip side. Start building an army of loyal affiliates and brand ambassadors who constantly promote your products today. The step-by-step is waiting for you on my buddy Russell Brunson's new podcast miniseries, Traffic Secrets. Open your podcast app and subscribe to Traffic Secrets now or visit trafficsecretspodcast.com.